Eagles Entertainment. With the 10th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by Life Brand. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and we've got a special mock draft edition of today's show for you. But first, we're going to start things off with Scout Stories, where I catch up with Eagles Senior Director of College Scouting, Anthony Patch, to talk about scouting the running back position and projecting those guys from college to the NFL and some great stories told by Anthony Patch on today's show. Really, really good stuff uh, there to start things off. After that, we're going to transition to Saturday Scouting, where we have got a live four-person mock draft between myself and Ben Fennell, Dane Brugler, and our guest this week, Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports. 32 teams, 32 picks. We're going to break it all down the entire first round as the the current order is constructed here on Monday afternoon as of this recording. We're going to go through all 32 of those first picks uh, and break it down, see exactly who goes off the board. Really fun discussion, fun exercise, as always, with those three gentlemen. Then we're going to wrap it up with our draft mailbag. We've got a couple of questions to get to on the back end of the show. I believe another mock draft, so we'll get on that uh, as well from one of you at home. As always, the best way to throw us your support is to go on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. If you've got a question, if you've got a mock draft for us to break down, if you've got rankings, questions, whatever it is, you go leave that in the comment box and we will get to it here on the show. I really appreciate everybody that has done that lately. That said, let's get this thing going. I'm excited to catch up with Anthony Patch talking a little bit of running backs here to start things off with Scout Stories. Pull up a seat. It's time for Scout Stories. Well, joining us here this week, the Eagles Senior Director of College Scouting, Anthony Patch. Patch, welcome back to the show. Good to see you and good to be with you today this morning. So we're going to talk through the running back position today. And this is a position, uh, obviously, guys that are very involved uh, on offense. What, In your mind, what is the toughest part about evaluating this position, projecting guys from college to the NFL? Uh, the toughest part is maybe not always seeing the three phases in college, what they can do, a, a, a share of what they can do, the three phases. Why, when, when I say the three phases, obviously you're going to see a lot of the running, but sometimes you're not going to see all the times of the pass catching or the, the blocking aspect. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's probably the di- most difficult spot at times evaluating. You don't get enough of the three phases to evaluate. And then I guess, are you leaning more heavily on postseason, whether it's all-star games, uh, private workouts, obviously the, the combine pro day workouts as well uh, for those two phases with uh, pass catching and pass blocking. Yeah. The pass blocking stuff, but yeah, you see that in the all-star games, they have a, a number yep. of one-on-one sessions and the pass catching too. you know, the pro days uh, critical for that, you, you know, send a personnel person or a coach to the pro day to do that. Hmm. When you talk about the the value at the position, obviously it's talked about all the time in terms of oh, you know, running backs are devalued, and you know, but when it comes down to it, the great ones are so important to an offense. So that would be my question to you next: is how do you separate the guys that are you know a good starter, solid starter from a truly great player? What are the separating factors in your mind at that spot? Well, I think you know the the ones that, like I just said, that can do it all, and they you know, are able to hold on to the ball, not turn the ball over and find the end zone and gain the big plays. But, you know, when you could, when you look at the the great ones, they can do it all. They can pass block, they can catch, they can run the ball. And even now, past few years, you've seen the guys that we've had that you can actually flex out yep. and use on key on the outside as a slot, as a pass catcher, as another uh, asset on the outside. Mm. 
uh, and you've been in, with this organization for a long time. So you've certainly seen uh, a lot of the, the top end running backs uh, that have been through here in Philadelphia uh, over the course of your career. Has there been a, a piece of advice you've gotten from, from a coach or from, uh, you know, from a peer, from a boss that uh, has stood out to you and has kind of stuck with you that you, you feel like could help, uh, you know, other fans that are, are watching the position at home? No, I just say, going back to what I just said, the more you can do, the better value yeah. you have to that position. And then the other key is the durability aspect. It, mm. it, it often goes back. And if they're hurt in college, they're going to be, if it's a constant thing, they're probably going to be hurt in the pros. So mm. availability is one of the biggest assets there with with that position. And you kind of see that. And I don't know if it's the value. We've had so many good running backs that could do multiple things. I remember when I first started with Buck Halter and, you know, Deuce, and then we, you know, uh, Westbrook was just coming on. And we, we had a number of, you know, you look over the course of my, our, my career here, we had a lot of three-headed monsters that could do things. Even back mm-hmm. to our Super Bowl year, we had the hammer, you know, get the tough yards with uh, Blunt and Jai, and then, you know, kind of the, the Swiss Army knives, you know, with like Pushady and, and, and Brian and now Miles, where you can do all the things you want to do with a, like a, a primary running back, would run, pass, catch, and do that, so forth. When you think back over your career, has there been a guy that you've studied in person, uh, you know, whether it was in your area or even as a, over the top, like a, 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 a cross-check play, uh, scout where this guy just stood out as like, this is the best running back uh, that I've scouted at the college level? Yeah, Reggie Bush. Mm. Reggie Bush was phenomenal. He wasn't the biggest guy, but, you know, I watched him live a number of times, but one game really sticks out to me. I don't know if you remember. It was a Fresno State. The Fresno game. State. It was a Thursday night. It was a Thursday night or a Friday night? It was, it was a Friday night. Friday I night. I was, yep. I, was, I, was, I was there. And, I mean, he put on a show. And, you know, Fresno State was no pushover in those days with Pat Hill. Yeah. Yep. And Fresno State was pushing him that game late in the game. And he had that wraparound with his arm. And I, I remember when, you know, Houston had the first pick that year. And I remember when they yeah. announced that they're going to take Mario Williams first. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> you know, but Mario turned out to be a good player. But sure. uh, phenomenal. He could do it all. You know, kick returns, punt returns, catch the ball. Talks about flexibility and elusive, make you miss. And he was strong being like just about a 200-pound back. Hmm. So, I, mean, I remember watching that game just as a fan. And uh, he had a touchdown in that Flor- that Fresno State game. It was down the right sideline, and I, th- I feel like it was early where I was just like, I mean, that's the best player in the country, uh, without question. It might be, it might be that one I was talking about. He yeah, had a, he blocked the ball around his back, and I was like, yeah. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, so. <laughs> easy, easy player uh, to write up. Well, Pat, uh, this has been great, man. Thanks so much for joining us once again here. Talk to you again soon. Awesome, Fran. Thank you. Hey, Eagles fans, get ready for the game each Sunday with an exclusive look at Eagles pregame warmups brought to you live each week. When you join myself, Amy Campbell, and Eagles insider Dave Spadaro on the kickoff show presented by Exalta, we provide Eagles-focused analysis, late-breaking news, and the team perspective that you cannot get anywhere else. The kickoff show presented by Exalta can be seen live 50 minutes before kickoff on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, and the team's social media channels. Well, great stuff there from Patch, and always great to catch up with him. Uh, And look, talking about the running back position, uh, I thought it was really good that that first thing he and he hammered this home right throughout the course of the discussion. The more you can do when you talk about the three phases, and if you want to throw in, especially for the guys on the the further end of the the depth chart uh, outside of that starter. 
the four phases when you include special teams. So running the football, catching, blocking, and then you throw in special teams. The more you can do, that's going to help a guy be able to latch on to an NFL roster and stick uh, once he reaches this level. So I, I thought that that was a really important point that Patch was able to hammer home. Also talking about the durability, I thought that was big, especially when you're talking about running backs and trying to project their longevity uh, in the NFL. If they're hurt in college, chances are they've got more of a chance uh, to be hurt in the pros. I thought that was really good advice there uh, from Anthony Patch. And then also uh, his, his stories about Reggie Bush. It's so funny that uh, that moment, that that game against Fresno State was the uh, when I think of Reggie Bush. You know, this was very early in my days uh, covering the NFL draft. That one game against Fresno State stood out to me. I'm so glad that he was there for that one, uh, and we were kind of able to share or relishing that experience. Uh, that's awesome uh, that Patch was there for that game early on in his scouting career here with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, that said, great stuff there from Anthony Patch. We'll be back here uh, in a few weeks right here on the pod. That said, let's keep this one rolling. Excited to start this mock draft this week uh, with Dane Brugler, Ben Fennel, and Eric Edholm. It's time for Saturday Scouting. It's time for Saturday Scouting. All right, well, as promised, excited to get into Saturday scouting as we uh, do a special edition of the of the Draft Buzz segment as we welcome in Dane Brugler, Ben Fennel, and Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports. Guys, uh, we're going to do a little four-person mock draft. We're doing this live, and to kick things off, we've got uh, the Detroit Lions, and this is all based off of this weekend's games. We're recording this early Monday afternoon, so this is the up-to-date draft order based off of what we saw on Sunday. Ben, you have the Detroit Lions. You've got the number one pick. Where are, they, where are you guys going here uh, off the top? Well, it's an exciting pick, being first overall in the draft. New beginnings here for uh, Dan Campbell in his second year. Uh, GM Brad Holmes obviously coming over from the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, last draft, taking Penny Sewell and trying to stockpile that offensive line. Right now, I'm deciding between the pass rushers, Kayvon Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchinson. I think we need a mainstay defensive end presence on the defensive line that can not only be an impact player in the run game, but getting after quarterbacks on third down. Everyone's looking for that. But I think Aaron Glenn's propensity to still play some odd even fronts makes me want to choose Kayvon Thibodeau, pass rusher from Oregon here, who I think has a little bit more scheme versatility. I think he's a little bit more comfortable playing in space, more as a stand-up joker, uh, elephant type of outside linebacker, in addition to being a 4-3 defensive end as well, a guy that wins with speed, power, explosiveness, excellent in space. So I think Kayvon Thibodeau will join his former Duck teammate in Penny Sewell over there uh, with the Detroit Lions. So I was just going to say, uh, they, they struck gold in that well last year. Might as well go back uh, to that Ducks well uh, and take another Oregon product there in Thibodeau. Uh, let's go now to the second pick here, Jacksonville Jaguars. Dane, uh, you've got the Jags here. Uh, now, before I make my choice, I, I need a ruling. I can or can't draft a head coach. <laughs> you, you cannot draft a head no. coach, oh, or, nor okay. can you draft anybody that's uh, coming down the line. So I don't want to hear anything about Will Anderson uh, for this pick here. All right, all right, all right. Shoot, I got to start over now. All right. Um, well, all right. Obviously, this roster is kind of in the midst of a turnover again. Uh, not sure what the power structure is going to be. Uh, we need every, everything except the quarterback. Basically, uh, it's on, it's on the table here with its number two pick. Really, this comes down to uh, two names. You put the best two players on the draft board, and you're going to get one of them. And in this scenario, with Thibodeau going one, Aiden Hutchinson falls in our lap. And I don't know the pass rusher is necessarily our number one need, but at number two overall, throw need out the window. Let's take the best player. I think that might be Aiden Hutchinson here, a guy that can uh, you know give us the, the pass rush juice we're looking for, can also play the run. He's going to give us everything, uh, all the effort that he has, the hustle. So uh, give us Aiden Hutchinson with a number two pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
I like it. I think he definitely fits that defense and pairing him with Josh Allen on the other side, a guy that's been, you know, he's had some ups, he's had some downs. Uh, that would be an interesting pairing there moving forward for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's go now to the number three pick Houston Texans on the clock here uh, with Eric. Eric, who do you got here for Houston? Yeah, this should be an easy one, right? You know, I mean, we got not everything figured out on the roster. We've got uh, no issues at quarterback. I mean, obviously the <laughs> Texans have a lot to figure out this off season and trying to get in Nick Casario's head. You automatically kind of go with, you know, what would Belichick do or what was, what is the new England way of doing things? Or let's look at what they did last year without a first or a second round pick. And it's tough. I don't know that there's a clear cut number three overall prospect. So this is where some, some intrigue I think sets in before we have, you know, the last set of games here with the playoffs and bowl games and, you know, postseason all-star games and all that. I, I'm going to make a little bit of a, I don't know if it's a reach, but a, a player that maybe hasn't necessarily been mocked in this spot before as much as I love Evan Neal, I really think Ika McWanu might be a guy that they really fall in love with. You know, he's, I don't know, to me, I could see, you know, the positional versatility of Neal. He's played three spots. And I think Equanu only played left guard for a few games last year, really been left tackle pretty much, but, and they have Tunsil. So we got to think about that, but I'm not worried necessarily about positional fit. Uh, you know, like the Lions did with uh, with Sewell, just just take a really good football player here. And the more I watch him, the more excited I get. And, you know, I, if you're going to strip this thing down to the studs, just get as many great football players as you can. He's a blast to watch. You know, the pancake chef moves really well. Maybe doesn't have, you know, pristine or ideal dimensions as far as length and everything. But I, I love him all around. And yeah, I, it kind of reminds me a little of Lyle Collins, maybe. I don't know. But that's that's going to be my pick here. And I think we'll, we'll find a place for him, guard, tackle, whatever it may be. And the quarterback issue will be figured at some other point. I like it. Uh, it's our, our interesting pick. Go off the board here uh, with Ike Maquano. I think this is the highest I've seen him in a mock. We're starting to see him more and more often uh, in that top 10, in that top seven, in that top five uh, as Dane Brewer, I believe. Dane, you had him uh, in your top five going to the New York Jets. Who that's who I have here with the fourth overall pick, the New York Jets. Uh, what do we know about Joe Douglas? Obviously, coming from Baltimore, uh, he comes, he has a, a, a lot of value there on trench play, O line, D line, and that's kind of where I'm sitting here. Do I go with Evan Neal or do I go over to the defensive side uh, and get a George Karlaftis, a guy who's been extremely productive? We know that uh, Joe Douglas has placed a lot of preference on players that have been productive at the college level. That said, I am going to go Evan Neal here. I know they've spent a couple first round picks already on that offensive line. Uh, uh, why not get another one? A Neil who can play guard. He can play tackle. I think he steps right in at that right tackle spot. Uh, these tackles starting to fly off the board here, Ben. Uh, I know you're a little upset. I can see you shaking your head, uh, but I'm going to go Evan Neal here to the New York jets, which means I'm going to spit it over to the New York giants who have two straight picks here, Dame, and you've got two picks. I'll let you go here with number five and number six. Yeah. Unique situation with these back-to-back picks. Uh, I think there's a quarterback here that we absolutely love. That could be the choice. I mean, we have to look ourselves in the mirror and say, do you really see Daniel Jones leading us to the Super Bowl? I, you know, I, I, it's hard to say that. And, you know, we don't know, again, I, same with the Jaguars. We don't know what the power structure is going to be in terms of who's making this pick. And we're going to have a new head coach. We're going to have a new general manager. But, you know, with the way things are right now, the way things sit, we know with one of these picks, we could really use an upgrade at offensive tackle. Nate Solder has been a, a greased up turnstile at right tackle. Uh, let, let, let's get some new blood in there. A, a really young, exciting player. I would have, you know, loved to see a Kwanu fall here, Evan Neal fall here, but I'm just as happy with Charles Cross, Mississippi State uh, uh, offensive tackle, who 
I, I, I was close to moving him up to number two or even number one in my offensive tackle rankings. That's how highly I think of Charles Cross. Uh, he's got the foot quickness. Uh, he, he has the just that uh, not only the motor and the effort, the hustle, but that nasty streak. I mean, he wants to put you on the ground. Uh, and he's only a Richard sophomore. He's still getting better and better. His hand exchange is blowing me away this year with how much improved it is. So with uh, this pick, Charles Cross, uh, that's my choice. Put him over at right tackle uh, or maybe even keeping at left tackle and move uh, Andrew Thomas over the right side. Yep. I don't know. I, either way, I feel good about taking tackle there. Uh, so that's the fifth pick. Now with the sixth pick, this is where it gets a little interesting because I, I think ideally we might go pass rusher here. But is there a pass rusher that we love? I To me, it's a little early for Carl Loftus. Uh, maybe it's maybe a little early tra- for Trevon Walker. Uh, Devin Lloyd's really interesting. Now we play in a division with uh, Michael Parsons, and we've seen everything that he can do for the Cowboys uh, as, as a blitzer that can drop and just do everything out there. I, you know, Devin Lloyd's not that type of athlete, but that type of role uh, and what he can do. With that said, I think I'm going to go Tyler Linderbaum here, uh, which is this is going to be the earliest that, you know, we've ever seen a center drafted. It's, it's never really happened before. So it's probably a long shot. But if I'm the Giants, we need to change something on that offensive line. Uh, you know, we got our upgrade at offensive tackle. Let's get our upgrade at center. And ideally, Tyler Linderbaum's a guy I'm not drafting until – probably the 15 to 20 range. But you know what? In this draft, the way things have played out, uh, you know what? I'm going to take them here, and I'm going to feel just fine about it uh, because I know we're upgrading that offensive line, which is going to help the entire offense. Two offensive linemen off the board to uh, the New York Giants as they continue to improve those trenches. Let's go back to the New York Jets where uh, Evan Neal was the pick at number four. And as I sit here at number seven, looking at the board, and to me, this is a guy that I'm going to go with a player that A lot of people would have argued a few months ago, as early as two, three months ago, that this guy was the number one player uh, in the draft, and that's LSU corner Derek Stingley. And I think when you look at uh, his skill set, he's scheme diverse. He can play press. He can play off. He can play man. He can play zone. When you look at that scheme uh, out there with Robert Sala, they've played more man coverage than you would think with an extremely young, inexperienced secondary. And I think you add in a blue-chip talent like a Derek Stingley, that allows Bryce Hall to be the more of the number two corner, and that really allows everything else to kind of fall into place. I think the New York Jets go with a, pri- a priority position here in Derek Stingley Jr. from LSU. That brings up number eight with the Carolina Panthers, and the GM there is one Ben Fennell. Ben, who do you like here for the Panthers? As a bunch of O-linemen have gone off the board, I know you can't be happy with that. No question. Obviously, uh, the Panthers here needing some offensive upgrades, whether at the quarterback position or the offensive line at a variety of spots, tackle, guard. I think Matt Paradis is still going to be back with us next year, despite being on IR at the moment. Really disappointed to see four top flight offensive linemen go off the board in the first seven picks. And I'm right there with you, Eric. I think the draft starts at number three with the Houston Texans that we're watching like a hawk to see if are they going to take a quarterback or not take a quarterback and you going with Iki Aquanu and us kind of needing a quarterback. I think the stars are aligning for the Carolina Panthers to be first off the board with a quarterback. Who could that be? We don't have an offensive coordinator at the moment. Joe Brady is gone. What is the offensive future with this team? If it was Joe Brady, I think the Kenny Pickett marriage would be perfect. A guy that Fran you've compared to Joe Burrow at LSU. And you could kind of see that whole framework working together. However, no Joe Brady makes the offensive projection just a little bit more risky. So I would like to take an offensive lineman here and add Coles to the furnace, but I don't think Trevor Penning is worth it at this point. I don't think Kenyon Green is worth it at this point. So we're going to go quarterback. 
and we're going to take Malik Willis out of Liberty as the first Ooh. overall quarterback. Well, I think it's going to be a major riser into the top 10 conversation into the spring with all his traits and, you know, uh, athletic ability and upside. I think he's really going to wow us with his arm strength in shorts and a t-shirt and the combine and the off the field stuff. And he maybe doesn't have the prototypical quarterback profile. Well, there's a guy that Matt Rule loves in PJ Walker who just can't quit him. And he is that similar type of profile, but juiced <clears throat> up in every area. Faster, more explosive, better arm, quicker decision maker. So Malik Willis, the future of the Carolina Panthers. And here's a, a few reasons why, Ben, I think you're on point with, with that connection. Number one, uh, Matt Rule, is they've talked about it. Scott Fitterer, same thing, have talked about how much they're going to prioritize athleticism. Matt Rule preaches about the toughness aspect. There are Those two are not questions with Malik Willis. And then uh, Matt Rule has also talked about how they want to lean more on the run game. Well, when you add a dynamic athlete like a Malik Willis into the fold, we've seen here in Philadelphia what that can be as a force multiplier with the run game and make everything else easier. Uh, so I could definitely see that marriage working here uh, in the NFL. So number eight, Malik Willis off the board to the Carolina Panthers. We're going to stay here in the NFC South with the Atlanta Falcons and go back to Dane Brugler. All right. So for Atlanta, uh, you know, we'd really like a pass rusher here. Uh, you know, George Karloftis is a good player. Uh, Trevon Walker from Georgia, another good player. We're going to go with a, a guy who has uh, maybe arguably the highest ceiling of any defensive player in this draft. That's David Ajabo from Michigan. Uh, second Michigan pass rusher off the board here in the top 10. Uh, Ajabo, you know, in, in the run game, he's still learning, still figuring things out. Uh, he is far from a complete player, but that should just, you know, tell, get you excited because of how effective that he has been, double-digit sacks, uh, when he really is still figuring things out. And so the, the fact that we're getting him this young and the fact that his ceiling is so high – uh, it, it's a, it's a, maybe a little earlier than we would like to draft him. But again, in this draft class, uh, with the way things have sh- uh, uh, shook out, I, give me a job. and we feel good about that. Not only for right now, but especially for the future. That is it. I would say that is the highest I've seen Ojabo go in a mock draft. And I know you've been a, a big uh, driver of that train, Dane, for David Ojabo and his future in the NFL. For the uh, round out, the top 10, let's go back to Eric Edholm. For the Philadelphia Eagles, the first of two back-to-back picks here. This first one, 10th overall. This is the pick that came uh, from the Miami Dolphins. Eric, who do you like here for the Eagles at number 10? Yeah, as we were kind of joking through email, I you know I was a little bit worried here about these picks. Like this was some sort of uh, test I had to pass with all the Philly <laughs> knowledge here. But I feel a lot more confident the way things have shaken out here. Love maybe some unexpected developments here. You know, I, I'm I'm not quite as in love with Kyle Hamilton as some people are. I mean, I get the attraction, believe me. But obviously, there's the injury to factor in as well. But you know, I think at this stage, you know, you know, I, I understand why a team would have doubts about taking a safety at number six, number five, number eight, whatever. But, but at this stage with as many picks as they have to play with and, you know, what I believe is, is still a need at the position, you know, Anthony Harris is 30 and you know, McLeod's what 31 and, you know, Kayvon Wallace limited exposure, I would say to this point. So yeah, why not add a, a post safety? who can do a lot of different things. I think he can cover tight ends and backs, you know, he can play the middle of the field. You want him to be up there as, as a run defender. I think he can do that as well. So, you know, th- this is the question of would the Eagles do that? Maybe. I don't know. But in this situation, I feel like, you know, the opportunity may not come around uh, very often like this. So with the first pick uh, on our uh, board, we're going to do Hamilton. And then we're going to double back with it with a with the pass rusher. And 
you know, I have to admit, I, I worried that maybe a Carl Aftis or somebody would like would go in the t- in the first nine picks, just thinking that hey, pass rush is such a premium. I figured Ojabo might be in that mix as well. So I was almost going to throw out there a sleeper name. I'll, I'll hold back because I may use him for my other teams. But you know, Carl Aftis, you know, I. I I like him a lot and I think he's going to be a high floor player in this league and he's got the hustle and he's got the mass and, you know, he could play with force. I I just look at that position and say to myself, you know, Brandon Graham role, Derek Barnett role. They have a few different types of different pass rushers. He'll find a spot in that defense. I really think that, you know, he would be kind of an instant contributor kind of guy, maybe never a special player in my mind, but a good one. And they need help up front. They need people to get to the quarterback that's what he does through effort, determination, technique, all that stuff. So, um, you know, with, with some age, Barnett, Graham, maybe not back in the picture. I, I, I like uh, his, his, uh, his variety of, uh, of traits that could get him, uh, you know, into a, a good player. I think Eagles fans would uh, would be pretty happy with that, Eric. So if this was a test, I think you passed the test. Yes. Uh, Kyle Hamilton, George Karlaftis, a uh, good duo there at 10 and 11. <laughs> with that said, we now move to the 12th overall pick where I have the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, I'm not going to lie, I was eyeing up George Karlaftis there. I think that he is tailor-made uh, for that kind of player that uh, Rick Spielman has targeted in the past in terms of being uh, a traitsy pass rusher with great production. Uh, I think that he definitely fits a lot of what uh, they have looked for in Minnesota. That said, with Karlaftis off the board, uh, I am looking at Trayvon Walker. Uh, I think that is an option. However, I'm going to go to the cornerback spot where uh, Patrick Peterson, obviously getting up there, uh, he is set to hit the free agent market this year. We know that the situation with Jeff Gladney obviously did not work out. Uh, they've had a number of first-round corners uh, that have not panned out in recent years. Let's go back to Andrew Booth, the corner from Clemson, who uh, kind of fits the mold of some of the corners we've seen play for Mike Zimmer in the past, whether it's been in Cincinnati or more recently in Minnesota, the Xavier Rhodes of the world. Yeah, and I think that when you look at Booth uh, with his length, his aggressiveness, his competitiveness, and also his scheme versatility, I think he's a really good fit for this Mike Zimmer defense and uh, for really what they're kind of building in Minnesota uh, on that side of the football. They're just looking to try and add more blue chip talent to that side, and I think Booth is a good starting point there. So Andrew Booth from Clemson, the corner. Uh, he goes number 12 off the board to the Minnesota Vikings. That brings us to number 13, New Orleans Saints and Ben Fennel. Uh, you are on the clock now. Yeah, another really tough team to pick for at this point as they have a lot of needs moving forward, most particularly that quarterback position. What are they doing after this Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, Trevor Simeon type of era at the quarterback spot? I'm not really sure who Sean Payton would prefer out of the, you know, Kenny Pickett's, Matt Corral, you know, Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell, is Carson Strong in the conversation here? I'm actually going to balk at quarterback here, and let's do what we can to help the quarterback out, whoever that is. And you really have to think about, if Saints fans listening, consider the free agent market at quarterback too. You might have guys like Marcus Mariota out there, guys like Drew Locke might be available, young quarterbacks. Don't forget the older guys, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilsons might be on the move. So a holdover veteran quarterback could be in play. So how can we help him out? We'll go get the best receiver in the draft, Jamison Williams out of Alabama, the most explosive playmaking player in this draft. I think they need more help around the quarterback. I know this year not having Mike Thomas was a huge hurt to the uh, offensive arsenal and some injuries up front. I think Alvin Kamara is going to need a long-term backfield mate as Mark Ingram's getting a little bit older. But I think adding Jamison Williams that can take a small play and make it big anytime is going to help that quarterback get the ball out of his hands while still being productive and a guy that can win at every level of the defense. So Jamison Williams, surround that next uh, 
that next era of quarterback with a weapon and make his life a little easier. And I Wait, don't Saints are passing. Saints are passing on two Ohio State receivers. Just so I make sure I understand that, right? <laughs> well, Jameson, Jameson Williams played at Ohio State. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Good, good point. point. Yeah. Fair point. Yeah. Fair point. <laughs> good point. Uh, but I don't like the idea of Sean Payton with Jameson Williams uh, with, yeah. with his kind of game break potential. Uh, that is a really good match there. Uh, let's go a little bit further out west, though. Let's go to the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, ben, right back to you. Who do you like here for uh, Mike Mayock and the Raiders? A lot of back-to-back picks going on here. Dane had two in a row. Eric had two in a row with Philly. I have two in a row here with the Saints. And then the Raiders, another team in serious flux, which seems to be a trend with all these teams picking in the front half of the draft. There's a reason they're picking in the front half. But who their head coach will be, not sure, as Rich Bisaccia has been holding down the ship as a special teams coordinator. Gus Bradley in year two at the defense. Will Mike Mayock be there? This could be one of the most different teams from 2021 to 2022, front office and on the field. We need a lot. I think we need to bolster the offensive line. We need a mainstay at linebacker. We need a speed receiver as well. I think bolstering the trenches and adding coal to the fire and to the furnace is the right thing to do, no matter who's at quarterback, no matter who's at running back. So I would like to add a Kenyon Green, the best guard in the draft from Texas A&M, plug him at left guard, maybe opposite of Leatherwood at right guard. I know his season hasn't gone uh, to play, but I think adding Kenyon Green is going to help the quarterback help Josh Jacobs establish a run game and really start building this team the right way through the trenches first and on out. Yeah, so this is a team uh, that obviously plucked Alex Leatherwood in the first round a year ago. Uh, he's playing some guard for them, so on the other side, uh, you get a Kenyon Green. Let's now transition to number 15, the Pittsburgh Steelers on the clock now. And for that, we're going to go back to uh, Eric Edholm, staying in the, the, the Keystone State here in PA. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, will I stay in the state with my uh, pick? I mean, quarterback is the spot where I think everybody is obviously going to going to begin the discussion, right, with the, the reports that Ben is in his final year. You know, obviously the offense is, you know, outside of, a you know, the second half against Buffalo, the second half last week, little spurts here and there, you know, has obviously been limited in terms of throwing the football. You know, I, I, this is really interesting to me because, you know, the, the natural assumption would be if you're going to take a quarterback, there's one a couple miles down the road and Kenny Pickett, you know, could I see the fit? Absolutely. But I'm questioning, hey, do the Steelers agree with that? Do they care where a guy is from? Probably not. They want the best prospect, right? You know, I, I really don't know. I thought maybe one of Pickett or Corral might be off the board at this spot. So I, I was just <laughs> going to sit, sit there and take the one that wasn't taken. I don't know that it's going to be that that simple, of course, but... You know, I'm guessing that because they are geographically so close and because, you know, that program and that team obviously have a good relationship from what I was uh, made aware, um, you know, it, it would make sense that they would have a lot of information on on Kenny. They've seen him play. They've seen how much he's grown. You know, he probably entered the year as a third or fourth round pick. And now look where we're, we're considering him. So. I mean, is this pick screaming to me? No, but I, I think it would obviously would make a lot of sense and they would have plenty of opportunities to uh, to travel short distances and, and do whatever work they needed on him. Plus, you know, maybe there's some movement at the senior bowl, but I, I, I'm all right with it. I can make that pick. Kenny P to uh, the other Pittsburgh. I like it. So let's, uh, we got two quarterbacks off the board and now I'm up uh, with number 16, the Denver Broncos, another team that a lot of people feel could be in that QB market. That said, with all the pieces they've got in that offense, I kind of view that that would be a, a really nice soft landing spot for one of these veterans that are on the open market. One of these, whether it's one of the young guys that Ben highlighted earlier or uh, one of the other big fish uh, that could hit the open market. So I'm going to go away from the QB position, look around the rest of this depth chart and say, 
who's rushing the passer for this team opposite Bradley Chubb. And I look at Trayvon Walker from Georgia as a player who can play inside and outside. I think he really fits that Vic Fangio scheme really well from that standpoint. I think that his ability to win from multiple fronts, uh, he plays with that, com- that competitiveness, that tenacity that they look for out in Denver. I think it makes a lot of sense on a, on a number of different re- for a d- number of different reasons. Uh, I like Trayvon Walker here, number 16 to the Denver Broncos. Dane, I know you are a, a favorite of Trey or Tra- Trayvon Walker is a favorite of yours. I don't know if you were looking at him there for Cincinnati, uh, but you were on the clock next with the Cincinnati Bengals at 17. Yeah. And you know, uh, the fact that Trevor Penning's still around uh, makes me, because I, I was set to go corner here. I, I think that's an area that Cincinnati uh, needs to get better at. Um, but having Trevor Penning makes me really think about which way they should go. Uh, but I'm going to stick with corner and kind of how you know Eric did the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. I'm going to go Cincinnati, Cincinnati with Ahmad Gardner uh, going to the Bengals. Uh, you know, Gardner's a guy that has been doing it the last three years, uh, tall, long, uh, you know, he, he, AAC quarterbacks just don't even bother throwing at him uh, anymore. And look, uh, Gardner's not going to be for everybody. Uh, he's a little upright with his transition. Um, you know, he needs to be a little bit more reliable as a run defender. Uh, you know, there, there's the, the top corners this year are going to be kind of jumbled from team to team, depending on what the coaches look for and scheme and all that. But I think Gardner could potentially be a fit with Cincinnati if they decide to go uh, corner in, in the top 20. So that's my pick. A little bit of sauce added to that Cincinnati offense or Cincinnati defense. And I, I like the Ahmad Gardner fit there uh, with that scheme. Let's now go to the number 18. We'll stay in state here in Ohio. Cleveland Browns on the clock. And for that, we go to Ben Fennel. Ben, uh, who do you like here for the Cleveland Browns at 18 overall? Yeah, picking for our old friend Andrew Barry. Uh, I think you have to kind of look ahead to who they're going to lose. Obviously, OG, uh, Odell Beckham's already gone. So there's a bit of a need and a void at receiver. But that receiver position is not really featured in Cleveland. It's not a priority, I don't think, in the first round. Clowney will be on his way out, who's been a nice bookend to Miles Garrett. So let's replace them with also somebody that can win off the edge and has some positional versatility, like they've used the Clowney to walk around and use them kind of on the interior as well. And I'm going to go with DeMarvin Leal from Texas A&M, Ooh, nice. who maybe is, you know, not the prototypical angular long defensive end, but more of a brute strong guy that can win on early downs in the run game and then slide into three tech. Uh, in some sub packages, which I think they've had some needs on. They obviously went and got Malik McDowell off the streets to come play some considerable snaps this year for them. Malik Jackson in free agency. They want a future player there that's a little bit on the younger side to help out as an inside-outside player. So I think DeMarvin Leal, really stout run player and a guy that can win on the inside getting after the passer. We start having these discussions as we get into the early stages of the offseason, trying to connect dots and figure out what are what are some of the themes we see with the way that teams draft. And I do feel like Demarvin Leal uh, is a fit, and for a lot of reasons uh, in terms of when you look at the history uh, of the Browns drafting under Andrew Berry. Uh, with that, now let's go to uh, 19 overall Washington football team on the clock. Eric, uh, you're back on here with Washington. Yeah, and this isn't the only trap that you guys set up for me. Not only did you give me the Philly duo, you also gave me two teams that potentially could take a quarterback in a not-so-rich quarterback draft. I, I see what you're doing here, guys. That's fine, okay? <laughs> but as well as Tyler, Taylor Heineke is playing and, and you know as much of a good story as he is, I still want to see more talent out of that, that position. I want to see somebody who can, you know, who Scott Turner is sort of, I think, catered his play calling to the strengths of the players. You love when you see that, but... I think he'd like somebody with a little bigger bag of tricks, maybe a little bit more uh, versatility of their game, perhaps, but somebody who obviously I think still needs some grooming and, and is getting there. Uh, and that's Matt Corral. Now, are there some, 
you know, some background work that needs to be done on them. Yes. I don't think it's nearly as bad as some people have said. Is there some, um, you know, growth as a player, as we said? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, my thinking is if, if Zach Wilson can go number two last year, say what you will about how he's played so far. There's no reason why Corral can't go number 19 in this situation. And with all the moving parts that they have on offense, all the versatility, they can have a lot of fun there with somebody like Corral. It wouldn't be instant coffee, I don't think, but uh, he'd probably be ready to play at some point his rookie year if they went that direction. So, yeah, I'll be quarterback guy for you guys. That's fine. Matt Corral. I was just going to say, we can, we can put that in the tweet. Uh, Eric Edholm <laughs> loves the QB class here uh, for 2022. Let's get into uh, the next pick here. Number 20 overall, I've got the Buffalo Bills. And uh, look, this is a team that when you look at some of the holes in their offense right now, they, they are struggling to find ways to be able to move the football on the ground. And so uh, obviously you can address that in a couple different ways. Do you take a running back or do you continue to beef up that offensive line? And uh, Dane, just a few picks ago, you talked about how, man, I was surprised that Trevor Penning uh, is still available. And so a few picks after that, sitting here at number 20, I'm going to sit here and say, yeah, I'm surprised that Trevor Penning is still available. I think when you look at the way that this team has drafted in recent years, they are not afraid to go outside the power five, especially early on. They took Ed Oliver, in the top 10 just a few years ago. Uh, that has paid off pretty well for them. Uh, they've taken other players from outside the FBS level, and they've gone, they just took Trevor Penning's former teammate and Spencer Brown in the middle rounds last year. Now, when you look at Penning, does he slide over right tackle? Does he kick inside the guard? He's done both over the course of his career at UNI. So I look at Trevor Penning, say he's one of the best run blockers in the draft. Let me get him and put him on this Buffalo Bills team to help give them another tool in the toolbox when it comes time to uh, go toe-to-toe with some of the best teams in the AFC. Let's get that run game going with Trevor Penning. That said, we got a, a third pick here from the Philadelphia Eagles at 21 overall. This is the pick that comes from the Indianapolis Colts. Eric Edholm, uh, you are back on the clock here with the Eagles. Okay, you know, so we before we started, we kind of had the debate. All right, is this what we think the teams are going to do or is this what we would do? There's a serious question with this pick that I'm about to make. Would the Eagles take an off-the-ball linebacker in the draft in round one? We haven't really seen it. Uh, three first-round picks, you know, I mean, look, three on defense if, if it goes the way I'm projecting. Maybe that's not realistic, but from a value standpoint, Devin Lloyd at number, what are we, number 2021? Yeah, I mean, I'm a fan. I, I remember watching him over the summer and, and being surprised how good he was. I knew him. I had TV scattered him before. Didn't really get into the underclassmen, but the more I dug in, the more excited I was. And he only backed that up with a, with a terrific season. So, you know, as Dane was kind of talking about earlier, he's not Micah Parsons, but he could do all those Micah Parsons-ish things. And so let's see, this would be the ultimate test uh, to see whether the Eagles would maybe change their philosophy with, with uh, maybe a little bit of a scheme change that would, that would maybe propel them or do they trade into next year and, and hope for uh, you know, a quarterback or something like that in 2023 and get more ammo that way. Either are possible. This is a great spot in my opinion for, uh, for Devin Lloyd. And as you've mentioned, I mean, the ability, the potential to completely overhaul the defense, three picks there on that side of the ball at all three levels. Uh, that's something that I think Eagles fans would be very excited about. Now the Eagles acquired one of these first round picks from the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins in turn, they acquired a future first round pick from the San Francisco 49ers in that Trey Lance trade that they are on the clock now at number 22. Dane, uh, you're going to do the honors here. Miami Dolphins uh, at 22. Who do you like? Yeah, you know, I hated to see those two players come off the board. I, you know, Dolphins, we were, we were iron uh, Trevor Penning there. Uh, they were also eyeing Devin Lloyd there. Uh, two guys that I think absolutely could go top 10 in this draft. Uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility. So 
Uh, we were disappointed those two players were off the board, but we feel pretty good about N'Kobe Dean still being here. Back to back off ball linebackers here. Uh, yeah, Jonathan Vilma 2.0. Uh, Miami fans are certainly familiar with that name. Uh, the way he uh, makes plays all over the field, the play speed, the, his ability to blitz, his ability to drop, his ability to play the run, physical uh, uh, take on player, but also can avoid blocks. Uh, he is the maestro of that Georgia defense. So, uh, you know, it, 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 there's a lot of reasons why he fits uh, that Flores defense in Miami. And I, I think he's going to be the pick here for the Dolphins. I like it. A lot of good reasoning behind that selection. Uh, let's go from one coast all the way over to the other. Let's go to the LA Chargers at 23. Uh, ben, you are on the clock here uh, with the Chargers. Yeah, another really interesting team to, to choose for, as I could see them going a number of different directions, yet they have the quarterback of the future, which is always the tough one. I would love them to add a 220-pound running back with Austin Eckler. I don't think anyone's in the conversation here at the moment. That right side of the offensive line needs to get addressed, obviously. The Bulaga and uh, Ode Abouche experiment ended really fast with injuries, but I think they go in free agency uh, to kind of address that. So it's looking onto the defensive side. Do we go with a bookend to Joey Bosa as Melvin Ingram left and there really is kind of a void there on the other side? That could maybe be a Drake Jackson or Kingsley Anabare or the linebacking group, which Kenneth Murray is already emerging into the bus conversation as he's really struggling to get himself on the field. And we've been struggling with Kaiser White and Drew Tranquil. So is there a Christian Harris or a Toyo Toyo at this point? But I'm going to go with USC pass rusher Drake Jackson here, who we're going to lose Uchenna Nuoso in free agency after this season. And I think pairing a, another loose, explosive, playmaking edge rusher opposite Joey Bosa will really help this collective front seven. We obviously can use a nose tackle as well, can use some off-ball linebacking help, need a lot of help with this team. But I think Drake Jackson sitting here at 23 overall would be a great value and a great steal. Let's keep him in California. And he's a guy, too, that I feel like uh, would be best served by going to a coach where they would know the exact way to be able to use him, Brandon Staley, over the course of his career, uh, whether it was last year in L.A. Uh, with the Rams or this year with the Chargers, finding specific ways to use guys. I think he would benefit uh, with Drake Jackson. Let's go now to 24 overall, the Detroit Lions back on the clock. And, Ben, I think you were the only person I've got going back-to-back twice here in this mock draft. So uh, going back to you for the Lions here. Twice with different teams. Yeah, too. you're so welcome. The you're picks welcome. when you're picking yeah. Giants, Giants, Eagles, Eagles. That's that's cakewalk right there. Going from one team to another, we're we're moving fast over here. But it's crazy. We're at the 24th pick overall. There's been one skill player, one receiver, zero running back, zero tight ends. Kind of an interesting landscape right now. The Lions. We need some offensive arsenal and firepower. Whether it's Jared Goff or not, Jared Goff. So we're looking receiver too. So we have Chris Olave and Garrett. Wilson and Traylon Burks to choose from really everybody here outside of Jameson Williams. But I'm going to go with Traylon Burks here because I think he could do the most for Anthony Lynn's offense. They have some gadgety designs in that offense. So whether it's, you know, uh, putting them in the backfield, the yards after catch stuff, working some RPO offense, or his ability to win deep, which he is a freak type of player at 6'3, 225, and will probably wow us with a low 4 4 time here in the spring. But Traylon Burks, Arkansas Razorbacks, heading over to the Detroit Lions. Uh, somebody I was really eyeing up here for the Baltimore Ravens at 25, even though they've obviously they spent some high picks on wide receiver in the last few years, uh, continue to add firepower to that pass game, I think would be beneficial. That said, 
Let me go a little bit off the board here, guys. Uh, I'm going to go. This is a, a team in Baltimore. We know that they value trench play, O line, D line. They addressed the defensive front uh, a year ago. I think when you look at the offensive front, uh, continue to get guys that can block uh, in the run game. I look at Daniel Falele uh, from Minnesota on the right side. I think he's a great fit for the way Baltimore wants to play. Uh, this is a team that is just big. I remember when the Eagles had joint practices against the Ravens recently. Uh, they came, it was not, not this year, but it was the year before. I think it was last year. Uh, the Ravens came to town. And we're just from Ireland. This is a big football team. And Daniel Falele is a big man. I think that when you look at the way that they want to be able to run the football, they're not afraid of inexperience. I think when you look at, um, you know, since the, the, the regime change in Baltimore, they're not afraid of guys that only have, you know, one year or two years of starting experience. Not many people as inexperienced here as Falele, the right tackle from Minnesota, has not played, has only played football for three years total. Uh, let's go Daniel Falele here, the right tackle from Minnesota going to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, with that said, we will now go to the Dallas Cowboys 26. And for that pick, we are going to go to Dane Brugger. Love that pick, that ma- that matchup, Fran. Makes too much sense. Um, and you know what? I'm looking at Dallas thinking, hmm. I could also use some offensive line help. Uh, Tyron Smith, uh, he's getting up there in age. I mean, he's been around for feels like 20 years. He's still only like 30 years old. Uh, But the body is breaking down. And, you know, we need to look forward towards the offensive line. Uh, I I would have loved to see maybe a penning fall this far. um, But I still feel good about one of these offensive tackles. And that's Bernard Raymond, Central Michigan offensive tackle. And listen, uh, Raymond, probably more of a second round grade. But when you're picking 26 in this draft, Chances are you're not going to get a guy that's ranked as a first round player on your board. So Bernard Raymond, a second round player, uh, a guy that is fluid. He's balanced. I love his reactionary skills. So good uh, going up against speed and he's going to get stronger uh, in his lower body. He's going to continue to refine his technique. A really, really smart player. He's going to compete for starting reps in year one. So Bernard Raymond, one of the best stories in this draft. And I think could surprise as a first rounder uh, because of the talent that he brings and the upside, even though he is an older player, he's going to be a 25 year old rookie, but he's young in offensive tackle years. Uh, only has been playing the position for about a year and a half. So uh, excited for what Raymond can be for us uh, on the Cowboys offensive line. Yeah. The, the age I think is, is one thing that makes me worry if that would be a fit. And then also uh, going outside the power five, that's not something we've really seen uh, Will McClay do too, too often. He's done it every, every once in a while. Obviously they, they took Leighton Van Der Esch uh, out of the mountain West a couple of years ago, uh, high up in the draft. But I, I think I do like that fit there uh, thematically for Bernard Raymond and the Dallas Cowboys. Let's now go 27 to the Kansas city chiefs. Eric, uh, who do you like here for KC? Yeah. I mean, thinking about this before we started my, sort of 30,000 foot view of the chiefs was, uh, you know, I, I'll probably end up taking a receiver or a defensive player. You know, I didn't know exactly who would be there. All the free agents they have on that side of the ball next year, clearly something they have to consider. I mean, they play well now on the, on that side of the ball, but <clears throat> you know, just recouping some depth, but you know, with, with Garrett Wilson dangling, dangling out there, I, I just feel like, you know, is it the first guy I would have thought of to go there? Maybe not, but uh, boy, it works a lot for me. You know, he can work in the RPO game. You can send him on intermediate routes. You can do the, the, the shallow crosser stuff. I mean, his body control and everything else. I really feel like they still need that third wheel in that offense. And is it a little bit of a luxury perhaps, but Kelsey's, you know, taken a lot of wear and tear over the years. Tyreek Hill is maybe the best receiver of the game, but you know, he's had a few injuries here and there. They've been off field concerns, I think you have to buttress the strength with another player who, 
you know, with the high level of football he's played the last couple of years, I think would fit right in. They wouldn't press him and demand too much out of him in a role, but he'd be perfect in terms of, you know, helping draw some coverage away from those two studs. And yeah, I just, I, I, I feel like I can't pass this one up and uh, yeah, it makes uh, good enough sense for me to make that pick. I like it. Uh, Garrett Wilson off the board. One, one Ohio State receiver off the board here at 27. So now we'll go to 28, uh, Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, And I've got the Bucks here. I'm going to go with the other Ohio State receiver. And I, and I love this fit here for Bruce Arians and this offense with Brian, Byron Leftwich, the ability to push the ball down the field. We know there's no risk it, no biscuit. Uh, that vertical pass game, Chris Olave, not only is he one of the faster receivers in this class, but also uh, his nuance, the subtleties with which he brings to playing the position, how good he is in and out of breaks, how reliable he is. I think this is a guy that can turn into a quarterback's best friend, but also be that game breaker. And, and that's going to be something that uh, this offense who – Look, Chris Godwin getting ready to hit the free agent market. Antonio Brown getting ready to hit the free agent market. Uh, we don't know what the status of those guys will be moving forward. Now, this is a team that has added receivers pretty consistently uh, throughout day three over the last couple of years, perhaps getting ready for this moment. But I think when you look at Olave, this might be too good to pass up. I think it's a great fit. Uh, I'm going to go Chris Olave here to the Tampa Bay Bucks. Let's now go to number 29, Tennessee Titans. Dane, uh, you are back on the clock with your last pick here in this mock draft. Yeah, if I'm Tennessee, uh, I'm, I'm loving how this is playing out with uh, the receivers. Uh, if Garrett Wilson falls that far, I mean, just, I mean, just a, a crime for him to fall as far as we have let him fall in this in this mock. Uh, but you know, I, I, with the talent at the position, I feel good that at least one or two of those guys are going to fall to me at Tennessee. AJ Brown, Julio Jones, they've really struggled to stay healthy. It's a real concern moving forward. And so we're going to have some options here. If we want to go with maybe a smaller player, a quicker player, maybe a little bit of the opposite of A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, we can go Jahan Dotson. Uh, but if we want to go more in that mold with a big a guy that plays big, has the length, has uh, has some speed to him, he's a good athlete, uh, Drake London uh, is the guy that we're eyeing with this pick. I, I love the fit uh, in Tennessee. Uh, it makes sense for a guy that can you know be that basketball player, play above the rim, uh, he, he's at big play potential, but he's also a good athlete. He can separate little pockets. Uh, he, he, to me, he falls somewhere in between Mike Evans and T Higgins as, as a player somewhere in, but somewhere in that range is where Drake London is. And so I feel like I'm getting potential number one receiver, uh, with, with Drake London for the Titans. All right. Well, if that's the case, you are getting a good deal there at number 29. Let's go now to number 30 overall, the Green Bay Packers on the clock. And for that pick, we go to Ben Fennel. Ben, who do you like here for Green Bay? Well, I don't know if this last and latest run is making our decision easier or harder because we were circling offensive line depth, particularly tackle. Obviously, this year we've been currently on our third left tackle, second right tackle. We need tackle depth behind those starters, particularly Bakhtiari. We'll see what happens with Billy Turner. But I'm not sure this next wave of tackles warrants first-round consideration. We're talking Jackson Kirkland, Darian Kennard, uh, Nicholas Petit-Friere. So let's look receiver. Obviously, MVS is a free agent. We need a Devontae Adams compliment. Randall Cobb's moving on. Amari Rodgers might not be ready. But this latest run on receivers took away a lot of those options we were cer certainly eyeing. Why tight end? We need a Mercedes Lewis of the future. Could Jalen Weidermeyer be in play here? I think Ooh. so at 6'5", 260, but he's not going to be our pick. And this may be one of the first claims out there that Henry Toyo Toyo will be going Ooh. ahead of Christian Harris. We're going to take wow. an off-ball linebacker here. 
to pair with Devondre Campbell, who I think we're going to return. Uh, I think we only have him on a one-year deal at the moment, but we've been very impressed with his ability this year. It's really been a mainstay, and we're going to pair him with Henry Toyo Toyo, the Tennessee volunteer transfer to the Alabama Crimson Tide. I think he's going to have a huge playoff scene uh, coming up in a few weeks and will really bolster his stock. And I like his ability just a smidge more than Christian Harris. So the Green Bay Packers finally going to that off-ball linebacking well that a lot of Packers fans wanted. I love it. Uh, going off the board there with Toyo Toyo uh, at number 30. So that's Ben's final pick here in this mock draft. For Eric Edholm's final pick, let's go to number 31 overall, the New England Patriots on the clock. Yeah, Bill Belichick immediately slams his helmet phone and uh, in hearing an Alabama linebacker going off the board ahead of them. No, I, I wasn't going to go that direction. The two positions I kind of thought made a lot of sense for them, and they're not a big draft for need team, but they certainly keep an eye on it. Cornerback might lose J.C. Jackson in the offseason. They're always drafting DBs and replenishing that till offensive tackle. It's a spot they've gone frequently in years past. So historically, it makes sense. It also makes sense when you think about the future of Trent Brown, Isaiah Wynn, et cetera. So it was really between those two positions. And given the fact that we've had such a big run uh, at on the offensive line, don't see that one guy who I immediately think would be a fit there. Roger McCreary to me is just a really solid football player, inside out versatility, you know, special teams value, I think as well. Certainly something New England looks at, you know, uh, you know, could he be a, a little tighter in his technique at times and, and, you know, get a little bit closer in the hip pocket to some receivers. Yeah, absolutely. But some of that can be taught. And, you know, I, I think the, I don't want to say this, but the, the football education he'll get in New England will be a little bit better than maybe he got at times in college. And I just like his his, uh, his skill as a football player. He came in pretty well liked by scouts over the summer. I think he's backed that up with a really strong year. So Roger McCreary just seems to sort of fit what the Patriots look for. And they've done pretty well drafting, uh, you know, guys like Devin McCourty, who ended up at safety. But, you know, sort of the same type of player, if you will, it you know, just, just checks a lot of new England boxes for me. So that makes, uh, that makes it the pick. And the, uh, the Arizona front office throwing papers, pounding walls, uh, throwing desks over uh, upset uh, with that pick. Uh, they had Roger McCreary earmarked there for number 32. So uh, with McCreary off the board, the Arizona Cardinals defending Super Bowl champions in this situation uh, are looking at a couple different positions. They could stay a corner uh, where you've got a couple of upcoming free agents. Alford is going to be a free agent. Robert Alford, uh, Malcolm Butler set to hit the free agent market as well. Uh, so, you know, do you go with a, a uh, McDuffie, a Trey McDuffie from Washington? Do you go with D Kate Kendrick. Uh, this is a, a, a NFL team in uh, Arizona that has some ties to that Clemson program. They've taken some players high from Clemson in recent years. Uh, Kendrick previously with Clemson. That is an option. However, I'm going to go over to the other side of the football. I'm going to go and try and make one of the more dynamic offenses in the, in the NFL even stronger. And I'm going to go at wide receiver and we're going to go with Jahan Dotson. You've got Christian Kirk uh, set to hit the free agent market. You've got A.J. Green set to hit the free agent market. Uh, they took um, uh, the kid from uh, from Purdue last year. Rondell uh, Moore. Yeah, Rondell Moore, thank you. Uh, you know, Is he going to be a specialty kind of player, or is he going to be a fixture offensively? Do you want to keep him in the slot? Well, you look at Jahan Dotson. This kid is automatic at the catch point. He can be a QB's best friend. He can play inside. He can play outside. We know that Arizona uh, really values versatility a lot, uh, on both sides of the football. I think Dotson gives them that. Uh, so I'm going to go Jahan Dotson here from Penn State, uh, the wide receiver off the board at number 32. And uh, the last pick here in our mock draft, guys. It was an uh, interesting exercise, as always. 
What was the biggest surprise that who didn't go? We've got uh, Jordan Davis left. Yeah, everybody, everybody gave their pick for who 33 would be. We always go to bed for round one, wake up in round two. <laughs> Dane's working on his best available article. <laughs> Eric's plugging away out there. Who's best on the board? Who's going to be 33rd pick? Well, if it's if it's the Lions, I think they're saying, yeah, give me hard nosed Sam Howell. I'll take him with our third. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. is he the thirty third best player? Maybe not. But I, that's that's sort of my thinking on that. They would be thrilled if it sort of worked out that way, and and would give them a little less, uh, you know, skin in the game to take a quarterback at the top around two. That's just my two cents. Uh, Jordan Davis definitely fits that bill. Christian Harris not going in round one would be really surprising for me. Uh, I think that would be a player you're looking at towards the top of round two as well. I think these some of these edge rushers, real quick, Dane, are going to fly off beginning of round two. So Anabare, Jermaine Johnson, yep. Yep. Nick Benito types, and then maybe that next wave of receiver, you know, the Pickens and David Bells, and maybe the gadget guys start to come off like Longdale. But, uh, Dane, who do you got? Well, I think a few safeties could be in that mix. You know, yeah. Lewis, Lewis, Dean, and uh, Dax Hill. Yeah. Um, but look at a few corners that fell out with Elam from Florida, and then Trent McDuffie. I thought McDuffie might go to the Cardinals. Where I thought about it. I thought about they, it. They, they got an all Washington secondary yes, with exactly. Byron Murphy, Buddha Baker, and even Jalen Thompson. He's Washington State. Yeah, so Washington that counts State, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yep. So uh, yeah, we could see. I, I think that Elam and McDuffie are both in that twenty to. 40 45 range and so th- those are uh, two corners that could and be really quick fran put awesome. you on the spot real fast fran yeah who's the first running back off the board and where Ooh, like just a relative round yeah yeah I, uh, yeah I mean I, th- I thought it could be 32 to the cardinals i thought yeah i thought it was on my board as well it was I mean, all they've been rolling with Chase Edmonds most of the year back there. And he's, he's, he's getting ready to hit the market uh yeah, Edmonds and connor, connor. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah both so of them. i i did think running back I mean, your guys as good as mine, guys. I mean, between Brees Hall and Spiller and Walker, oh, I mean, those guys on. all kind of have uh, that same kind of foundational skill set. Uh, well, Dane, you're you're upset with me. I'm, I'm assuming you like <laughs> Walker here. Get off the fence. Tell me, tell me who the top running back is. Come on. I, to be honest, though, like I feel like here's here's why I'm going to take the cop out on it. I really I like Brees, so Brees Hall Cardinals. When it comes so much to running backs, I value that last season so much. I have not done enough work on the Brees Halls and Spillers and Walker. Like, I've done a couple games of Walker, but I got to go back and do Hall and Spiller uh, from this year because I like to see that most recent tape from the backs. I, I did both of those guys from last year. Um, it's a, it's a, how do you kind of view that uh, that group that that threesome right there? Uh, for me, Kenneth Walker is clearly the top guy. That's just that's just my opinion. Um, and I like Isaiah Spiller a lot. To me, Brees Hall's you know second, maybe probably more of a third rounder in my opinion. Um, Kenneth Walker, with what he did this season, uh, his ability to set up his moves and use power, use quickness. Uh, he's a first round player, uh, a, a chance to go in the first round. I mean, the, the running back conversations a little. Little tough, but uh, if there's a running back in this class that's going to go first round, in my opinion, it, it, it's Kenneth Walker. I like it. And if they like a uh, James Conner type, yeah, I mean, I could see them going with a Spiller or Zach Charbonnet or something like that. You know, I mean, if you're looking for the, you know, the the smaller, quicker guys, I I like uh, what's his name? I almost said Zamir White Cook from uh, Georgia too. I yeah. think he's. You know, not just for name value either. I think he's he's maybe a a riser we haven't seen the best of yet. Dane's top uh, senior back, Zion uh, oh. Johnson, the uh, offensive lineman from Boston College. Uh, a little surprised. Oh yeah, he, he and put me down as well. Tyler Beatty being a third round pick, just like Alvin Kamara. And we'll look back and say, how mm. did he go in the third round? I as he I blows up fantasy teams for the next 
I knew I liked you. The Mizzou, Mizzou <laughs> part of my heart is singing right now. <laughs> well, guys, uh, we covered a lot of players. Uh, this was a, a fun exercise as always. Thanks so much. Uh, Dane, Ben, we will talk to you next week. Eric, we will uh, talk to you down the road, my friend. Looking forward to it. Thank you, fellas. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. Well, great stuff there from all three of those guys. A really fun exercise, as always, going through a mock draft. We try and do those whenever we can. We thought this was a good opportunity uh, with it being between big weeks here in college football. Let's get to uh, our final segment here with our draft mailbag. As Matty G checks in with a five-star review saying, I usually wait to do mock drafts until February, but I'm way too excited about these picks. I wanted to see what you'd say uh, from the one I did with the draft network. So let's go uh, with these picks. And in the first round, Matty G has got the Eagles selecting Devin Lloyd, the linebacker from Utah, Ahmad Gardner, the corner from Cincinnati, and Traylon Burks, the wide receiver from Arkansas. So at 12, 13, and 16, the Eagles get a linebacker, a corner, and a wide receiver. And it's hard to argue with these three picks here, Matt. I think when you look at Devin Lloyd, you know, we talked about him uh, in this mock. Uh, he actually went to the Eagles there with the Eagles' final pick uh, in the round. And I think when you look at Lloyd, he's got the ability to be a three-down presence at the position. You love his athleticism, his versatility on third down to be a coverage piece or a blitzer. Uh, he is ferocious downhill. I think he's seeing things a little bit faster this year compared to years past. And uh, that has led to uh, what was good play speed to now be great play speed. And that's been the fun, most fun thing to see with Devin Lloyd here and his transformation as a senior. Ahmad Gardner, obviously one of the top corners in the country. I love the way that he plays the game, and I love what he brings to that Cincinnati defense. We'll be talking about him plenty here, getting ready for the college football playoff. And then Traylon Burks, you guys know, uh, if you listen to the show, uh, I'm a big, big fan of Traylon Burks. That's a pick that definitely excites me. Let's go to the second round, and the Eagles in this mock draft take at number 39, Jermaine Johnson, the edge rusher from Florida State. Uh, Ben brought him up as a guy that he was surprised uh, lasted in the second round in our mock draft that we just did. Well, he lasted in the second round here. Jermaine Johnson, a little bit of a one-year wonder. He started his career with Georgia, was a backup, kind of been in the wings, you know, he could participate here and there. But then he transferred to Florida State this year and was outstanding. He was lights out for the Seminoles, was extremely productive both against the pass and against the run. Uh, so I think a lot of people are going to lean on his traits, what he did in one year from a production standpoint, and say, hey, let's let's push that forward to the NFL. This guy could be a steal moving forward. Uh, Tyke Smith, the defensive back from Georgia, uh, here coming up in the third round, fourth round. Rashid Walker, the left tackle from Penn State. So I think when you look at both of these players, Tyke Smith and Rashid Walker, uh, you see guys that have plenty of traits. Uh, Walker is a three-year starter now with Penn State. Tyke Smith played with West Virginia. Like I said, moved over to Georgia. He's got some positional versatility. Both these guys have traits. It's all about consistency and projecting them forward uh, to the league. But when you get to round three, round four, round five, you're able to, you know, you're you're able to accept that a little bit, and I think you're kind of betting on the come with both of those players. Let's go now to a trio of fifth round picks: Amari Gaynor from Florida State. He's an undersized linebacker, rangy sideline to sideline presence. Jeffrey Patterson, an offensive lineman from Notre Dame, and then Bubba Bolden from Miami. The guy that I'm going to talk about here, Bubba Bolden. Uh, this is a guy who's going to the East West Shrine Bowl. He's a transfer from USC. Ended up at Miami. Former big time recruit coming out of Las Vegas, and he is a rangy sideline to sideline safety. You love his athleticism. You love his tenacity. I just want to see him be a little bit more consistent with his angles and finishing as a tackler. And I think it's a, a technique thing. Some of it's a play strength thing as well. But I think when you look at just the inconsistencies, and again, when you get to the fifth round, all these guys are going to be inconsistent in some area. I think that's the big area you want to see here with Bubba Bolden is improving moving forward to the NFL. Some of that can be coached out, but you need to really kind of harness that in, you know, rein that in a little bit. And I think you could see, you could see a potential starter in the NFL. Uh, going into the sixth round, a couple players here uh, to 
round out this mock draft. P.J. Mustafer, kind of a try-hard defensive tackle from Penn State, that interior defensive line. That, that defense as a whole, really, really good. A senior-laden group uh, there with the Nittany Lions. And then Bo Nix, uh, who actually... Uh, announced he's going into the transfer portal. So we'll see. I guess obviously still time to decide if he's going to jump into this draft. But it uh, looks like Bo Nix looking for a new home uh, here after playing at Auburn as a three-year starter the last couple of seasons. So, uh, Matty G, good stuff. Uh, a lot of good players there in your mock. And if you've got a mock draft that you want us to break down, just go over to our Apple Podcast page, leave it there in the comment section, and we will get to it here on an upcoming show. Again, really appreciate everybody that has done that lately. Appreciate Anthony Patch, Ben Fennel, Dane Brugler, and Eric. Hope you guys enjoyed this mock draft edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. We'll be back later this week getting you ready for the weeks to come in college football. When the clock hits all zeros, the game might be over, but the action is not. Join us for the post-game show presented by Rico for instant reaction. Watch live as Coach Nick Sirianni and Eagles players come to the podium and meet with the media. We will make sure you do not miss a word. Myself, Ike Reese, and Gabriella DiGiovanni will also break down the game live at the desk and hear from Eagles insider Dave Spadaro to get his thoughts. The post-game show presented by Rico can be seen on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, and the team's social media channels.